Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Today is, it is the 7th. Today is the 7th of March. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we got a couple of visitors here, actually a couple of couples of visitors here. We got Jim and Judy Sherling, and they are from uh, Winter Haven, Florida, which is where my middle brother was born. And other than that, we were all, we're all Sarasota people from back 73 years ago. And um, then we have, they brought their friends who live in Venice, which is just the next town south of us. That's uh, Troy and Cynthia. And I didn't get your last names. What are your last names? Dinus. Dinus. Okay. Well, it's good to have you on. I appreciate you making the effort. It really is special. So thank you for coming. And uh, we have an announcement for everybody online uh, that if you attend a church somewhere else and you just watch the prophecy updates, uh, you know, later, make sure that you set your clock forward next Saturday. Okay. Because next Saturday we spring forward. If you don't do that, you are going to be late to whatever church you attend and you'll get the pastor all bent out of shape and we don't want to have that. So please make sure you put your uh, clock forward and we'll just, uh, trust that everybody gets to church on time. And then we have, as always, our first category, which is Israel. And from all Israel, um, something I think is good at this point, uh, he's, I've always liked Bibi Netanyahu, but I think he's spent too much time as the uh, prime minister and he's starting to not make right decisions anymore. Netanyahu's path to forming a new government narrowing as key right-wing party leader says it's time to fire Bibi. Behind the scenes, Netanyahu and his re-election team know they are facing the toughest race since 1999, the year he was actually voted out of office the first time and the only time. Bibi's Likud party is well ahead of any other, but it is steadily losing ground. The problem is that so many leaders of other political parties are vowing never to serve in a coalition with him, which is steadily narrowing his options for building a government of at least 61 seats. Even if Netanyahu were able to cobble together the support of all of the right-wing parties that have not ruled out working with him, the latest poll indicates that he would only have 47 seats. He needs 61 to form a government. For weeks, Naftali Bennett, head of the Amina, which means rightward party, has been called the kingmaker, meaning whoever forms the next government absolutely needs all of Yamina's seats. But right now, Yamina is only polling at 11 seats. So even if Bennett wanted to help Netanyahu get back into office, that would only put Netanyahu at 58 seats. He needs 61, three shy of a governing coalition. Now, this would probably make Netanyahu happy because he would be reelected. They won't be able to form a government and he'll be there until they have another election, which has happened, what, four times in the past two or three years. And it seems like this almost may be planned just to keep Netanyahu as the prime minister. But 
he has really worn out his welcome with the, how he has handled the coronavirus. And because of that, uh, people are not happy with him, and he is not going to be able to form this government, I don't think. But uh, one way or another, he'll still be there in the office, which is just how things work in Israel. So next, Times of Israel. Gantz recently held secret meeting with Jordan's King Abdullah. Now, Gantz is currently the defense minister, and he's supposed to take over the prime ministership of this current government, which is now being uh, dissolved and is going to be voted in again, which we just talked about. So Gantz is trying to move his way into getting into the the prime ministership by making these alliances. And he's going over and talking with Abdullah, which should help him with the Arab vote, I would think. The blue and white chiefs meeting with King Abdullah II took place in Jordanian territory. On Friday, Gantz hinted at his contacts with Jordan. This is Friday, not yesterday or two days ago, but a week ago, and criticized Prime Minister Netanyahu's relationship with Amman. I think Jordan is a great asset to Israel, and I think that our relationship with Jordan could be 1,000 times better. Unfortunately, Netanyahu is an unwanted figure in Jordan, and his presence harms relations between the countries. I have a continuous and ongoing connection with the Jordanian king and other senior Jordanian officials. Then I know we can have great achievements, he said. I believe that it's possible to do one or two civilian projects each year with Jordan and within 10 years up to 20 or 30 projects. Foreign Minister Gabi Ashkenazi also met twice in recent months with his Jordanian counterpart, angering his coalition partners. Netanyahu repeatedly kept Gantz and Ashkenazi in the dark about his diplomatic moves with other countries last year. You remember that. All these things that were going on between Trump and these uh, nations wanting to make agreements with Israel, Netanyahu kept everybody out of it. And there's a good reason why he did that is because if he was to have opened his mouth around the left in the country— those agreements never would have happened. That's all there is to it. They would have gone out and said, well, he's doing this, and he." they would have subverted the process. And so it's actually good what Netanyahu did, but now they're trying to get back at Netanyahu in this way. So uh, let's see here. That's including his negotiations for the normalization deals with the UAE and Bahrain, a later deal with Morocco, and a secret trip to Saudi Arabia. He kept them in the dark on all of that. And Trump wisely used that advantage to get these things out, and that is something that actually leads directly into the end times, as the Bible, you know, prophesies, that uh, these nations are not going to be coming against Israel, which they certainly would have up until just four or five months ago. They would have been on the opposing side, but now they have diplomatic relations. They have got another article coming up in just a second, just a title, which I'll tell you about. But for right now, Yahoo! Israel adopts law allowing names of unvaccinated to be shared. This bad news here, if that happened in the U.S., uh, you know, the ACLU, which always makes bad decisions on everything, would make the right decision and say, you can't do this. But um, it's one of the few things that I know the ACLU would uh, make a right decision on. But in Israel, they are sharing this information. Israel's parliament passed a law allowing the government to share the identities of people not vaccinated against the coronavirus with other authorities, raising privacy concerns for those opting out of inoculation. The measure gives local governments, the director general of the education ministry, and some in the welfare ministry the right to receive the names, addresses, and phone numbers of unvaccinated citizens. The objective of the measure, valid for three months 
or until the COVID-19 pandemic is declared over, which will, the way Netanyahu's been handling it, it will never be declared over, is to enable these bodies to encourage people to vaccinate by personally addressing them. In other words, intimidating them, which is something that should not happen in any society, and especially not in a society like theirs. From All Israel News, Pfizer CEO calls Israel lab for his company's vaccine as Netanyahu orders another 36 million doses. So Israel is a lab. Imagine being considered a lab rat in the nation you live in. That doesn't interest me at all. Days after the Pfizer CEO said the Jewish state has become the company's and the world's lab for the COVID-19 vaccine. Prime Minister Netanyahu says he plans to order another 36 million doses to continue vaccinating his citizens on a regular basis. It is the only way to get out of lockdowns and return to normal, he said. This is my long-term plan for the vaccine, he said. You need to understand the two vaccines that you've received will not last forever. They are for a limited time, and we will need to renew our antibodies all the time. So there you go with that. Times of Israel. Royal Caribbean to launch crews from Israel for fully vaccinated only. Yeah, there you go. Jerusalem Post says Israel in talks with Saudi, UAE, Bahrain for defense alliance against Iran. Good job. They are talking something that would not have happened if our previous president was not in office. It would not have occurred and Iran would have come in and caused havoc among those Arab nations as well as Israel. Now they have an alliance and that will not happen. All right, and then finally, I'm sorry, one more, all Israel. I mentioned this a second ago. The first UAE ambassador to Israel arrives in Jerusalem, presents his credentials to the president. So they now have formal established relations with an ambassador in country. Thank you, Donald Trump, president of the United States. From Zero Hedge, freedom bracelet. This does not sound like freedom to me. Freedom bracelet tracking device launched as alternative to quarantine. So when you go into Israel, they've been saying you have to stay in quarantine for 14 days. Now you can have a freedom bracelet so that you don't have to do that. I, like I said, that doesn't sound at all like freedom to me. That sounds like what we do to our prisoners in this nation. But Israel has rolled out what it is calling a freedom bracelet, a tracking device that will serve as an alternative to a two-week quarantine for anyone entering the country from abroad. So if you want to go to Israel and go on a march from Jericho to Jerusalem, I would recommend that you do it barefoot, but you may be carrying your freedom bracelet with you. All right. From uh, Christian News today, I want to read something that was sent to me. I'm always trying to get people to read their Bible. I say it from time to time that you cannot know God. It is impossible to know God intimately and personally without knowing Jesus Christ. It is impossible. There's no way it's going to happen. And you cannot know Jesus Christ apart from knowing Scripture. There are only about two references of Jesus outside of the Bible. They're just basic references that there was a guy that did this, and that's all it says. It's, you would get no doctrine. You would get nothing out of it. Without knowing the Bible, you cannot know Jesus Christ. And without knowing Jesus Christ, you cannot have an intimate and personal relationship with God. So please read your Bible. Uh, I'm always trying to get new ways to get people interested. And somebody sent me this yesterday. I thought, this is such a great idea. I'm going to read it. Her name is Gabriella. I'm watching the video of Genesis 13. On the last part, you talked about the importance of reading the Bible every day and more than one time. About four years ago, the Lord convicted me. I had never read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I did read, but never the whole book. 
I tried many times, but never went beyond the book of Numbers, and then I started reading Psalms or the New Testament. So, I told people from, she said she got up to the book of Numbers and quit. Well, we've got Claudia, who's going to be finishing Leviticus probably today. She's on her last couple of Leviticus sermons, and she said, I want to get into Numbers because that's the book where I get to and I read it. It makes no sense at all, okay? So, it won't make all the sense in the world. You're going to see Jesus on every sermon twice and sometimes three times on Saturday. All right, you're going to, he is all over that book. So I hope that you enjoy it. But that's, she said what I've heard a thousand times. People read their Bible, they get the numbers and they say, oh, that's good. And they put it down and they never read it again. Or when they're in a bad patch, they'll pick up the Psalms and read that. You can't have deep theology living your life that way. You need to study the Bible. Even if you don't understand it, just read it and read it and read it. And it will come more clear every time you read it. But she got to the book of Numbers. Where was I? And um, let's see here. So I told people from the Bible study if they wanted to join me on a group and we would read it together. We made a group on WhatsApp, whatever that is. It worked for them and started reading five chapters a day. Now, this is something that if you struggle, you here or you online, and you want to do something that will get yourself and other people involved in scripture reading, this is a great idea. Five chapters a day. One person would read and upload their audios, and the rest would then listen to them and read along when they had time during the day. And the next person the next day, and after each one read, the first person started again. So you went through five days, five people reading, five chapters, and then they would start again. Okay? We would also make comments or questions, and we all discuss it. It took us about seven months, but we did it. And then we read it again, but now in the order of the Hebrew Bible. It was an experience that changed our lives. After the second time, I encouraged everyone to open their own groups and invite more people. Not everyone did it, but in conclusion, now there has been about 25 groups, about 10 to 15 people each. I also continued, and I am on my seventh group, and as you said, each time inviting new people, Christians and non-Christians, and still sometimes I read and say to myself, why don't I remember this? You're going to read the Bible 50 times and you're still going to come to something. You're going to say, I don't ever remember reading this before because the Lord is directing your eyes to something that's pertinent to your life right now. I wanted to share this with you because I've seen the blessing. This has been especially for people who are not very disciplined or who get discouraged easily. It is a challenge, but so worth it. I'm sure you read the Bible, but hopefully our experience could be useful for people in your congregation or people that you know. So there you go with that. Please do something like that. If you have your own difficulties reading the Bible, as I said, there are also audio Bibles out there. You can download them. You can listen to them right on websites. There are a million ways. I don't get into my car and put in the key and the Bible isn't running. And that every time I'm driving, I'm listening to the Bible, okay? That's what, you know, sometimes somebody will send me music that they've recorded and I love that and I listen. And as soon as I finish that, I go back to the Bible because that's where my heart is and I want to be in the Bible all the time. And so please read your Bible. And if this will help you, I think it's a wonderful idea. Okay, our Christian category, life news. Uh, you probably saw this. If not, it will make you as angry as it made me, I hope. Congressman Jerry Nadler, God's will is no concern of this Congress. During the debate over the Equality Act, a measure that would create a right to kill babies in abortions and force Americans to fund abortions, Republicans accused Democrats of ignoring biblical values. And a surprising comment from pro-abortion Democrat Congressman Jerry Nadler confirmed that to be true. 
Part of the debate over the pro-abortion measure revolved around sex and gender issues, and Representative Greg Stubbe, who is from Florida, by the way, upset Democrats when he confirmed God makes boys and girls unique. When men or women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they are making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. We are seeing the consequences of rejecting God here in our country today. That promoted a rather shocking comment from Nadler. He got up, walked to the the microphone and said, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Now imagine that. This is, according to jurisprudence, which is still on the books today, the Trinity decision of, I think it's 1898, where they, the Supreme Court of the United States, said, this is a Christian nation. That has never been revoked. It has never been amended or changed in any way by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. If you don't know that, just go type in Trinity decision and into your Google search bar and you can read up on it. This is a Christian nation and these people will pay for what they are doing and how they are doing it against the will of God. From Breitbart, Pope Francis warns of a second great flood from global warming. Okay, what did, what did the Lord say after the flood? Never again. Never, again. Never. Okay, this man, I've said this many times, and I'll continue to say it until he is out of that popish seat that he's in. He is a bad human being, and he is not a Christian. He is not a theologian. He is a communist, and he has an agenda to destroy this world. I'm not I'm my son, and his fiance just walked in. How wonderful to see you guys. Very, very good to see you. All right, so here we go. Um, Pope Francis. He is warned of the possibility of a second great flood like that of Noah's time. If humanity fails to address global warming. Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to go and watch the Genesis 11 sermon that I did on the Tower of Babel. And I there, long before he ever said this, I said that that is directly what is happening with global warming right now. What happened, the Bible says that which has been will be again and that which has been done will be done again and there is nothing new under the sun. Those people went out into the plain of Shinar and they started building a tower, a tower of Babel. And it was a picture of man's works, okay? They took uh, mud and they made brick and then they took uh, uh, pitch, asphalt, bitumen and they built this thing out there, okay? And the idea was it's a way of working back to God, man's works, working himself up to heaven. We're going to build ourselves that takes us to a tower in heaven. But the reason why has to be understood from what happened just before that in the flood narrative. We are going to build a tower that's so tall that we will never be wiped out again. Okay, it's watertight because it's done with pitch, just like the the uh, the ark was, right? And so the poor people get to stay down in the bottom, and the really important people, like Al Gore, get to go up on top, right? And they're the ones that'll be up above the flood, just in case it starts leaking down there. But this is the idea: is that they were denying that God was in control of the world, and He wouldn't keep His promise to never flood the world again. And this is what the global warming agenda is. And I said that what eight or ten years ago? I did the Genesis sermons. I don't know; it was a while ago. And yet he is confirming what I said in that sermon now from those years ago. This is exactly what 
It is not trusting in God. It is not believing his word. It is man's efforts to get above the waters when they come. Okay, so here we go. God's wrath is directed against injustice, against Satan. The Pope states in a book titled Vices and Virtues, it is directed against evil, not that which derives from human weakness, but evil of satanic inspiration, the corruption generated by Satan. God's wrath is meant to bring justice to clean up, the Pope declares in an advanced excerpt of the book. The Bible says that the flood is the result of God's wrath. Francis continues, it is a figure of God's wrath who, according to the Bible, has seen too many bad things and decides to obliterate humanity. The biblical flood, according to experts, is a mythical tale. Now, this is the Pope, and he said that, but he wasn't saying it's mythical himself. And, of course, we have that guy, Now the End Begins, who's always taking words out of context, and how does he put the title of his commentary in this? He says, the Pope says that the flood is a mythical tale, which it, the next sentence clarifies the Pope's words. So I'm going to read this here. It says, um, where were we... Um, uh, mythical tale. The Pope states parenthetically, adding his hope that no one writes that the Pope says the Bible is a myth. Okay, so there he clarifies, I don't think it's a myth. I think this really happened. But of course, people want to be sensational. And so they make their titles different than what is said. And then they get a lot of clicks and they get revenue from that. So that's something that you will not see me do. None of the things that we do in this church are monetized in any way, shape, or form. We don't monetize videos. There's no donate button on the website, nothing. And that is so that if somebody wants information and they go to the Superior Word website, every single thing I've ever typed is there and you can download it for free. The entire Genesis series, it's all right there. It's on a PDF and you can have it. This is for the people of the world. We're not here to sensationalize things. And talking about sensationalizing things, before I go on with this article, today we are going to, in this sermon here, we are going to be talking about the Nephilim. Yes, I saw some people shaking their heads and saying Nephilim. Who are they? And what does the Bible say about those people? We will talk about that today. And I can assure you that it will not be sensational, okay? It will be what the Bible says about the Nephilim. So please watch that sermon, and I think you're going to learn something that you have never heard before, okay? We'll go on with what the Pope said. The biblical flood, according to experts, is a mythical tale. The Pope states, parenthetically, adding his hope that no one writes, the Pope says the Bible is a myth. But myth is a form of knowledge, he says. The flood is a historical tale archaeologists say, because they found traces of a flood in their excavations. And then, listen to this, a great flood, perhaps due to a rise in temperature and the melting of the glaciers, is what will happen now if we continue along the same path. This is works-based salvation, not trusting God and the word that is written, okay? God unleashed his wrath, but he saw a righteous one, took him and saved him, he says. The story of Noah demonstrates that God's wrath is also salvific. No, God's wrath is for condemnation. God's mercy, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, is salvific. Wrath does not save. He's saying that Noah was saved through the wrath. No, he was saved out of the wrath, okay? God gave him grace and mercy, okay? So, the Pope does not know what he's talking about. He is not a theologian, and you need to be as far away from that guy as you can be. Oh, talking about that, we have an ex-Catholic that uh, attends this church online. Her eyes are bad, so she can't get here, but she called me yesterday. She watches the uh, Thursday night Bible studies, and she said, I always thought that the, the um, account of the Red Sea parting was a myth. 
And she says, until Thursday night when I watched the study and what you said about that, and it all dawned on me. And so her faith is being encouraged in the word each day. And I was so appreciative that I got that call yesterday. It just, it touched my heart that she's there listening to, you know who I'm talking about. She's uh, just a wonderful person, but she can't get down here because of her eyes. And so uh, she called me and she uh, said that. And if you can trust the Bible, then you can trust God. And I can assure you that you can trust the Bible. The Bible is God's word and he is not going to make something up. When he says he created in six days, he created in six days. Absolutely. Nobody believed otherwise until the, the uh, you know, the uh, Enlightenment, the time of the Enlightenment, and then people like Charles Darwin came in and started coming up with theories that nobody ever believed because there was no reason to believe it. But, uh, yeah, and, and it's yet to be proved. That's why it's called the theory of evolution. Anyway, we'll go on from uh, the Daily Wire, largest Protestant adoption agency in the United States opens to LGBTQ couples. In an email announcement to approximately 1,500 members of its staff, Bethany Christian Services, one of the largest evangelical adoption and foster care agencies in the United States says that it will be altering its previous policy and begin officially providing services to these people. Russell Moore, president of the SBC's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, finally said something right, released a statement saying, I am disappointed in this decision, as are many. This move will harm already existing efforts to enable faith-based orphan care ministries to serve the vulnerable without capitulating on core Christian convictions. Bethany plans to offer training to its employees over the next few months. If I was one of those employees, I would say, you can keep your training. I'm out of here. We're opening the door to more families and more churches. We recognize there are people who will not be happy, oh, and we may lose some donors. Well, they will also get more federal funding. They see the writing on the wall, and that's where their money's coming from. So guess what? They do this, and so they they piously say, we we may lose some people, but they're going to gain a lot more from the, the government, all right? The message we're trying to give is inviting people alongside us. Serving children should not be controversial, they say. Can you imagine that? Serving children should not be controversial. I, I can't even understand that thinking. The Bible is the most controversial book on this planet. It's given to us for our life, our practice, and our doctrine. From the Christian Post, Supreme Court blocks country's ban on indoor worship gatherings, calls Ninth Circuit ruling erroneous. Good job. SCOTUS has blocked a California County's ban on indoor worship services weeks after officials ordered places of worship to remain closed until further notice due to the COVID-19 pandemic, even though the high court had weeks earlier lifted a statewide ban on religious gatherings. The court ruled in favor of five churches that Santa Clara County must allow indoor worship services to resume at, unfortunately, only 20% capacity. The Supreme Court's three liberal judges, of course, dissented. Mideast in Africa. From Arab News, Russian worship enters Sudan port in new military deal. Now, I talked about this three months ago. They signed the agreement. It is now being enacted. They are now allowed to bring Russian ships into Sudan. Guess who is coming against Israel and Gog Magog? Let's go. Russian warship has entered a Sudanese port where Moscow plans to build a naval base on Sudan's Red Sea coast. The Admiral Grigorovich is the first Russian warship to enter Port Sudan. Russia previously announced, oh, you know, somebody asked me this past week, is is um, the area that's 
called Cush that's coming against Israel. They said, is that Sudan? Is that, what's the other place down there? Um, What's that? Ethiopia is it well if you look at the older maps it actually comprises some of both of those areas it was it was an area we look at the world today and we say oh well that's a country and that's a country and therefore it's got to be one or the other it didn't really work that way it was a different land structure at the time so that should give you the answer is that it's going to be parts of both maybe one or the other but that general area will be a part of what is coming against Israel and Gog Magog anyway we'll go back and we'll finish this um Russia previously announced a deal which outlined the creation of a logistical support center in Sudan, which we reported on, where repairs and resupply operations would take place, as well as providing rest for crew members. The facility's capacity will be capped at 300 military and civilian personnel, as well as four ships, including nuclear-powered vessels, and the deal will stand for 25 years, plenty for all of this to pan out here, folks. Under the deal, Russia will also be given the right to transport weapons, ammunition, and equipment via Sudan's ports and airports. Important statement there, they can bring in their military, and that is a part of what is coming, according to Ezekiel 38. And so, keep your eyes open, 39, 38, 39. Just keep your eyes open. These things are being lined up. All The only player we have left is, anybody, I say it every couple weeks, Begins with an L and ends with Ibia. Anybody? Libya. Libya. That's it. Once they're in, man, we could have it tomorrow. It's unbelievable how relevant the pages of the Bible are to our current history. From the Epic Times, ISIS bride Shamima Begum. I would never have expected the UK to do this, ever. Not allowed to return to the United Kingdom. Good job, UK, says the top court. UK Supreme Court ruled that Shamima Begum, who left the UK for Syria to join the ISIS terrorist group as a teenager, is not allowed to return and fight her citizenship case because she poses a security risk. Begum, who has dual British Bangladeshi citizenship, traveled to Syria at the age of 15, along with some other classmates, to join the so-called ISIS caliphate. As the caliphate was being whittled down to its last survivors by U.S. and allied forces, she surfaced at a refugee camp in Syria where she caught the interest of Western journalists. Her citizenship was revoked in 2019 by the Home Secretary following a series of interviews she gave from the refugee camp in which she expressed little remorse. Didn't care at all what she had done, but she wanted to return to the U.K. Nope. Zero hedge. Looney Tunes. Supreme Leader Issues fatwa to require cartoon women to wear hijabs. Yeah, Iran's supreme leader Ali Khamenei reportedly issued a fatwa to deal with a rising threat. I mean, we're talking about people that are building nuclear bombs to destroy other countries, and this is their threat against the stability and morality of the Islamic Republic. All cartoon and animated women must wear hijabs. It's not clear if Khamenei will also create a cartoon version of Iran's thuggish morality police, the Gasht-e-Ershad, to pursue such women in the virtual streets of cartoons. The issue was raised by a viewer and reported on the Iran Wire News website. Khamenei was asked, is observing hijab necessary for characters in animated films, three-dimensional paintings that come from the artist's mind? Khamenei responded with a rather convoluted answer. Listen to what he says. Although wearing hijab in such a hypothetical situation is not required per se, observing hijab in animation is required due to the consequences of not wearing hijab. 
So wearing hijabs are not required, but they are required because of the consequences of not wearing hijabs. Apparently, the same Looney Tune logic applies to cartoon women. Zero Hedge. Iran says South Korea to release $1 billion of frozen funds after, does anybody remember what happened to get this initiated? Tanker seizure. They went in and they they actually, what do you call it, kidnapped these people on this tanker, the South Korean tanker. And, you know, like you'd go on an airplane and you'd, okay, they did this. They grabbed it and they held these people and said, you're going to give us money or we're not going to give it back. And South Korea has waffled and said, okay, Iran and South Korea have been engaged for the past two months in intense crisis meetings triggered by the January 4th Iranian seizure of the South Korean flag tanker MT Hankukhemi off the Islamic Republic's southern waters. From the start of the IRGC's capturing the vessel and detaining its crew, Tehran pointed to $7 billion to $10 billion in Iranian assets in Korean banks previously frozen by Seoul in compliance with U.S.-led sanctions. They were doing what the international order had said. The clear message has been that the tanker can be released when the funds are released. Despite the official Iranian claim that the Hankukhemi violated environmental protocol. So they said, you're violating our environmental protocols and we're seizing your ship, which wasn't true. But And now Iran's central bank says Seoul has agreed to release some of the funds. From the Times of Israel, EU seeks to take advantage of must-not-miss chance to revive Iran nuclear deal. They are all in on this. And with violation after violation after violation, I read some last week, the EU is saying we got to do this right now. The top EU diplomat supervising the international agreement aimed at curbing Iran's nuclear ambitions called for a concerted effort to reinvigorate the pact even as Tehran appears to be reneging on some of its commitments. Not appears to, they are violating them willfully and everybody knows it. This is an occasion, they even admitted it. Remember last week's article where the guy said, well, that we can't do anything about it, but we're going to stick with it anyway. This is an occasion that we cannot miss to revive the 2015 JCPOA. The deal almost collapsed after the Trump admin unilaterally pulled the U.S. out three years ago, triggering crippling economic sanctions on Iran. Britain, France, and Germany notably struggled to keep it alive and have been heartened by Biden's willingness to bring the U.S. back in. I just don't understand. This is one of the most dangerous situations our nation has ever faced, and they're dealing with it like they're, they're kindergartners. I just don't understand it. Okay, Mongolia this week. Last week, we talked about the money that was spent to get the coronavirus vaccines in a country that has had two deaths, okay? Mongolia starts, they spent the money, they got the vaccines. Mongolia starts its COVID-19 vaccinations. Now, I am certain that within the next month or so, I'm going to be doing a report that more than this number of people have died from these vaccines, okay? Officials are moving forward on their plan to start vaccinations for 20% of the population, consisting of 50,047 workers in the private and public health sectors, 52,750 people working in the front line against the disease, and 58,345 over the age of 50. By the end of 2021, the government aims to vaccinate 60% of the population. That is over the age of 16. Mongolia will be using four types of vaccines, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Sinopharm. Oh, I wouldn't do that. And Sputnik V. I wouldn't do that either. From the Superior Word News Service, 
With a total of two Mongolian deaths from COVID and with a higher rate of deaths anticipated from the vaccinations, does the end justify the means? That's my question, and we will see. Daniel 12 Technology, Jerusalem Post, Pentagon tests prototype for space energy beam. Pentagon scientists have successfully tested a prototype for a new system that would essentially beam energy from space to any point on Earth. This is very interesting. Known as a photovoltaic radio frequency antenna module, or PRAM. We'll just stick with that next time. The pizza box-sized solar panel was launched on an unmanned drone into the low atmosphere in May 2020 and travels around the planet every 90 minutes. The premise behind the plan is that a solar energy system like this could be sent to gather sunlight and convert it into solar power, which would then be beamed back to Earth at specific points. While the unit in question is small and can produce only 10 watts of energy, it's just a little prototype they put up there, the finished system will be much larger and have dozens of different panels. In addition, the current pram is only collecting energy and is not beaming any down. But the technology to do so has already been proven in studies. Solar panels have been long envisioned as a way to change the energy market, but numerous issues have limited their viability. But this planned solar energy system has a big advantage. It's going to be in space. By being in space, the solar panels can make use of the blue waves of light that don't pass through the Earth's atmosphere and instead diffuse, turning the sky... Anybody? Blue. Blue, thank you. Yes. Okay, so um, where was I? Yes, these waves are more powerful and result in the panels getting more sunlight and consequently more energy. As the project co-developer Paul Jaffe explained to CNN, a scaled-up version of this system could succeed in revolutionizing how power is both generated and distributed, as it could essentially distribute power anywhere at a moment's notice. The unique advantage of the solar power satellites have over other source power is this global transmissibility. You can send power to Chicago and a fraction of a second later, if you need to, send it to London or Brasilia. So anywhere in the world, if you need power right now, here it comes. And that would be, I could think of a lot of military applications, like when I lived in Malaysia and you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. We had offices in Indonesia and elsewhere. And I could see at times where somebody doing some of the work those guys out there did could need power right now. Beam it in, Scotty. Okay, from Mail Online, U.S. Army is developing the most powerful laser in history which will vaporize targets using short pulses. And when I say short, these are really short pulses and produce powerful signals to disrupt enemy electronics. The tactical ultra short pulsed laser for army platforms will emit short pulses for a scant 200 femtoseconds, which is like almost nothing. Boop. The burst will be a million times stronger than current lasers. The result would evaporate the surface of a drone and cause a blast wave. It is also thought that the USPL could cause an electromagnetic pulse. So there you go. That's a pretty powerful laser there. Wow. Uh, Revelation Plagues today from Stat News. Federal law prohibits employers and others from requiring vaccination with a COVID-9 vaccine distributed under an EUA. Did everybody know this? 
They cannot fire you. They cannot make you take anything in your job or anywhere else if you don't want to. If you want to take your vaccine, that's fine. I have a father that did a couple weeks ago, all right? I have no problem with that. But everybody needs to know if you do not want to be a part of this experiment, which is exactly what an EUA is, you are not required by law. So please listen carefully. Ever since the FDA granted emergency use, this is the key here, authorization for two new vaccines, employers, schools, and other organizations are grappling with whether to require COVID-19 vax. While organizations are certainly free to encourage their employees, students, and other members to be vaxxed, federal law provides that at least until the vaccine is licensed, individuals must have the option to accept or decline to be vaxxed. Does anybody know when the vaccine was first approved? It was December of 2020. A vaccine requires how long to be approved? Anybody? Two years, okay? That means in December 2022 and before then, nobody can be required to do anything. And secondly, as a person with rights, okay, religious rights or health rights, you cannot ever ever be made to do that. But just so you know, those are the two exemptions. But for anybody else that doesn't have one of those two things, even though the FDA granted emergency use authorizations for the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccines in December 2020, the clinical trials the FDA will rely upon to ultimately decide whether to license these vaccines are still underway and are designed to last for approximately two years to collect adequate data to establish if these vaccines are safe and effective enough for the FDA to license. So they don't know if they're safe and effective enough. And that's why this is a trial case. Okay. They're testing it out on the American public. That is what's happening right now. Okay. The abbreviated timelines for the emergency use applications and authorizations means there is much the FDA does not know about these products. In other words, we don't know what they're going to do to human beings. We have no idea. The long term, we cannot make a decision on that. And that's why we are making this test. And instead of doing it to a small number of people, they put it out and they said, but without telling you this in advance, you had to read this from an article to know that this is the case. Okay. So it goes on. The abbreviated timelines for the emergency use applications and authorizations means there is much the FDA does not know about these products, even as it authorizes them for emergency use, including their effectiveness against asymptomatic infection, death, and transmission of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes the disease. So you could get that from the injection is what they're saying, okay? So given the uncertainty about the two vaccines, their EUAs are explicit that each is an investigational vaccine not licensed for any indication and required that all promotional material relating to the COVID-19 vaccine clearly and conspicuously state that this product has not been approved or licensed by the FDA, but has been authorized for emergency use by the FDA. The same section of the act that authorizes the FDA to grant emergency use authorization also requires the Secretary of Health and Human Services to ensure that individuals to whom the product is administered are informed 
of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product. Nobody, I got head shaking back here saying that they were not informed. Okay. Likewise, the FDA's guidance on emergency use authorization of medical products requires the FDA to ensure that recipients are informed to the extent practicable given the applicable circumstances, that they have the option to accept or refuse the EUA product. In the same vein, when the executive secretary of the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices was asked if COVID-19 vax can be required, she responded that under an EUA, vaccines are not allowed to be mandatory. So early in this vax phase, individuals will have to be consented and they won't be able to be mandatory. Khan later affirmed that this prohibition on requiring the vaccines applies to organizations, including hospitals. I've got several hospital family members right here right now. The EUAs for both the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccines require fact sheets to be given to vax providers and recipients. These fact sheets make clear that getting the vaccine is optional. You cannot have this administered and say your job is under fire if you don't get it. That is not allowed under law. For example, the one for recipient states that it is your choice to receive or not receive the COVID-19 vax. And if you decide to not receive it, it will not change your standard of medical care. Okay. Does anybody, has anybody else heard this before? I've got only shaking heads here. I've got no hands up. Okay. Uh, Keep your hands down because you're going to find out why later. No hands up. Okay. Epic times. Doesn't three dozen cases of spontaneous miscarriages, stillbirths occurring after COVID-19 vaccination. We're the test case here. The human population of the world is the test case for these vaccines right now. For morality today, Epic Times. Miss USA can, C-A-N without a uh, apostrophe T. It's very good news. Miss USA can reject applicants who are not biologically female, says a judge. From Mail Online, now Monopoly is branded racist. Author claims original game was based on segregated 1930s Atlantic City and the poorest properties were all in black neighborhoods. Mail Online, Buffalo Public Schools teach pupils that all, this is in the Buffalo Public Schools, right in the schools, that all white people perpetuate systematic racism and force kindergartners to watch videos of dead black children to warn about racist police and state sanctioned violence. This is being done in the schools. Okay. Yes. From world Israel news, raising your hand in class is a form of white supremacy. American teachers are told. Yes. Oh, you're a racist buddy. Zero hedge. New California bill would fine retailers with separate girls and boys sections. In California, they're passing a law where you can have no store that has girl sections and boys sections. That's no longer allowed. Barred from putting up signage that would indicate whether a product was intended for a boy or a girl. From the, you know, this is Genesis 6 right here. God's getting ready to destroy the world because of wickedness that pervades the whole planet. Right there. Washington Times. Loudoun County Schools canceled Dr. Seuss for racial undertones. <laughs> Mail Online. Six Dr. Seuss books, including Scrambled Egg Super and If I Ran the Zoo, will be stopped being published entirely. Not just you can't read them or anything. They're no longer being published because of racist and insensitive imagery after Biden erased author from Read Across America Day. Okay, so not only are they doing that, not only are they saying this, but they have taken them where you can't even sell them anymore. They were on eBay and eBay is still allowing Mein Kampf 
and other really terrorist books to be sold, but they have taken off any Dr. Seuss. That's this world has gone insane from the New York Post. I don't I don't want to read the first part of this. I I'm I want to be careful because I don't like reading things like this, but I want you to understand that this is what people are getting excited about. Three men. I'm not going to read the way that they term it. Three men make history lists three dads on birth certificate. Okay. If I read you the way they termed it, I just can't. I'm sorry. But three men are now dads on one birth certificate. Our other category, Zero Hedge, a new world altogether. Global airlines set to go live in March with COVID passports. Global, worldwide. Now, how can that be if we are still under a test for two years? How can they say you cannot take an airline if this is a test? I don't think that's going to be legal, and I, in, at least in the United States. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But we'll see where that goes. Just keep it in mind. Epic time. I know it's cold in here. I see people with, putting on jackets and stuff. And the reason why is because it's one of those days where it's too hot to not have the, the air conditioner on and too cold to not have the heat on. And so I went with the air because if I turned on the heat, you'd all fall asleep and I need you to stay awake for at least five more minutes. Okay. Epic times. Boston halts advanced learning program because too many Asian and white students. No more advanced learning. Imagine that. And how did this happen? It's because the government creates a problem. I know because I'm in the projects every Saturday of my life. I'm not one of these people that says, oh, the problem's over there, but I, I'm just going to guess on it. I'm there with several other people here that go every single week, and we see what the government does to people. But BPS are halting a selective program for high-performing kids in grades four through six because of a lack of racial equality in the makeup of the student population. The program, known as Advanced Work Classes, will be paused for a year. The decision to pause the AWC is based on a district analysis of the program, which found that more than 70% of the students enrolled were Asian or white. By contrast, a Massachusetts state analysis of the BPS system that out of the district's 48,000 students in school year 2021, 42% are Hispanic, 29% are black, 15% are white, and only 9% are Asian. So they say it's unfair and we're going to just, nobody's going to be given any special treatment anymore. But it's not special treatment. It's people that are excelling because they're living in nuclear families with a mother or father that are supporting their children, telling them, go to school and read and study and you'll get ahead in life. And now you can't do that anymore. Or you can, it just doesn't make any difference. Yahoo! Biden administration to pay transportation, health care for families separated under Trump. They're going to pay the health care of these people. The U.S., we have to pay our health care. If we don't pay, we don't go, or they take away your home. The U.S. could pay for transportation, health care, legal services, and career and educational services for migrants separated under President Trump's zero-tolerance border strategy, the DHS said. The announcement is part of a list of principles released by the admin of Biden to guide its Family Reunification Task Force as the administration seeks to reunite more than 500 migrant children and parents separated by his predecessor's border policy. The Biden admin will also consider bringing deported parents back to the U.S. So we're going to pay for that. And then when they get here, we're going to give them all the benefits that you do not have as a citizen of the United States of America. From Axios. Cities in California are banning new gas stations from opening. No more new gas stations. Petaluma 
California has voted to outlaw new gas stations, the first of what climate activists hope will be numerous cities and counties to do so. Why it matters? Expect more such ordinances, especially in liberal towns. Grassroots groups are popping up with the mission of spreading this type of ban and forcing pollution cleanups at existing gas stations. The movement aims to accelerate the shift to electric vehicles. This, You know, they have proven this study after study. I've read them to you here that it will never recoup the amount of energy it takes with the building of an electric vehicle. It'll never, in all the life of it, even if you have it for 500,000 miles, it will never recoup the energy it takes to put those giant lithium batteries in there and to produce that. It'll never be recovered. This is not a, a winning situation here. This is not a ban on existing gas stations, which are providing all the gas currently needed. The problem with allowing new gas stations is we don't really need them, and they're putting existing gas stations out of business. Well, that's called free market capitalism. I'm going to build this. I'm going to put in a supermarket with it and I'm going to sell my gas and I'm going to build one and I'm going to put in a, you know, a coffee store with it and I'm going to sell my gas. And who wins? Now, nobody wins. Page six, Tina Fey. This, I know it's over, but I wanted to set you up for the next one. Tina Fey promises a politics free Golden Globes. Well, they don't need any more because their man is in. Okay. Mail online. Americans tune out of the Golden Globe Awards as virtual ceremony draws just 5.4 million television viewers, 60% less than last year. Good. They started years ago by shooting themselves in the foot. They blew off their big toe and then they went to the next and the next. And they're just, they're, they're running themselves out and they can't understand why this is happening. Epic Times. U.S. soccer repeals policy requiring players to stand for the national anthem. It's gone. More than 70% of the members of the U.S. soccer's ruling body voted to repeal the policy. Trump is out. We don't need to stand anymore. Mail online. White House will start charging members of the press $170 to have a COVID-19 test before they can enter the grounds in a move that could cripple news organizations and limit coverage. Why are they doing this? Because the smaller news services, which have equal access, will no longer be able to afford going in there. $170 every time you go into the White House. So only CNN and MSNBC and the big guys will be able to pay, no problem. Mail online. North Atlantic right whales are on the brink of extinction. Fewer than 366 are left as a result of climate change killing krill that the mammals eat to survive. We're back to save the whales from the 1970s. Now, I'm going to say something that some of you will be upset about, and I'm going to say it anyway. I have a dog that I love. I have a parrot that I love. I'm just giving an example, okay? Somebody loves a whale. Somebody loves krill, okay? Whales eat tons and tons and tons of krill every day. God creates everything for our good. Some things will go extinct. Some things will not go extinct. If the krill are going, the whales are going to go. It's not climate change, okay? This is God's world. We take care of it. We are good stewards of it. But at the same time, we're not going to threaten humanity because of animals, okay? That is contrary to the word of God. All right, AccuWeather. Gulf Stream is weakest, Oh, why are the krill disappearing? Gulfstream is weakest. It's been in more than 1,000 years, study says. Okay, what does that title tell you right there? They were taking records for 1,000 years ago? Not that. Although, yes, because they can go back in time and they can tell from the 
trees that grow. It's a science where they cut the trees and they know how many rings there are and how much rain uh, England got. So they know these things. But what does that title tell you? Besides what you said, which is true. Okay, here it is. A thousand years ago, they had the same problem and we didn't have climate change. Everybody see that? I'm going to read it again. I'll read you the comment. Gulf Stream is weakest it's been in more than 1,000 years, study says. The weakening of the Gulf Stream, formerly known as the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC, can be mostly pinned to one catalyst, they say. Human-caused climate change. And yet, a thousand years ago, when they had the same thing, it wasn't human-caused climate change. And the whales that I just read about were dying because the krill is not able to live in this water the way that it once did. It all fits, and it has nothing to do with man. Okay? I got a Lesseric here for you. Let's see if you can... I think it's a Catholic. I don't think I, I even got one from Les this week. So this is a Catholic. Um, we'll see what if you can figure out which article I'm, re I'm referring to. Even cartoons must cover their hair. A hijab is what they must wear. In a circular thought, they clearly are caught or consequences be brought to bear. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sounds too much like Dr. Seuss. I don't think I can read these anymore. <laughs> Did anybody here like that Catholic? Anybody? Anybody? Ah, you're a racist. I knew somebody would raise his hand. I just wanted to know. Okay, sorry. Uh, I got two ironies for you, and then we'll be done. This is called Saving Lives. Okay, now this first one is tragic, I admit, but you get what you ask for in life, okay? Yahoo. Michigan transgender inmate placed in cell with convicted rapist get sexually assaulted. Okay. And from Yahoo, UN Security Council demands ceasefires to allow vaccinations. My guess is that less people will die if you just don't do the ceasefire. Okay. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.